Welcome everyone in the comments section. I'm Tim K. This is a podcast where we interview the anonymous trolls, philosophy kings, edgelords, knowledgeable insiders, I am very smarters, and got tier shit posters on the topical issues of the week. This week we are talking to Oron Darklord. We are going to talk to him about why the new Netflix Witcher series is so upsetting to so many fans, and we're going to start talking about those things right now. The Witcher video game series is one of the most widely praised video game series that there are. Um, I'm not going to go into the background of The Witcher because I actually have my guest do it today. Um, But suffice to say, the setup to this is that because this video game franchise is so successful and because the source material, which are books, were so successful in the wake of the video game franchise... Um, the Netflix has picked up a series for the game and turned it into a Netflix show. Recently, the casting for this show has been put online and they've said this person's going to play this character, this person's going to be playing that character, and people are very, very upset because of the race of the people playing the characters. I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the interview because I uh, I want my guests to kind of set up the background for this today. So while searching through the Witcher subreddit, um, I came across uh, a post about the casting in which there was a wide amount of condemnation. One of those users is a what I guess would be kind of like a Reddit super user, someone who is very prominent in the gamergating community, which is another topic that we can get into uh, in a later ap- episode. His name is Oron Darklord. Without further ado, here is his comment uh, in that one post inside the Witcher subreddit. This is something that Hissrich overtly promised she would not do. She came out and she outright told the fans that we could trust her with our beloved franchise, that she was a fan too, that she was loyal to the source material, and that she had no agenda but to bring it to the screen in a faithful and accurate manner. She told us that she understood both the people who feel that Witcher is a rare mainstream representation of their culture and people, and they deserve to keep their one big thing as it is, and the people who simply want to see a piece of art preserved and as close to its original form as can be maintained because the artistic vision has inherent value. She promised there would be no race bending, and she swore that fans could trust her as a steward, and we accepted her word, backed off, and let her do her thing. And she completely broke her word and shat all over that trust. Whether or not you care about the race bending itself, that kind of dishonesty and manipulative behavior cannot be allowed to stand. We as fans must demand to be treated with basic dignity and not played for suckers or assumed to be addicts whose patronage can be taken for granted. And the only way to make that count is with our wallets. And yes, I recognize the possibility that that decisions were made by corporate suits and not Hissrich herself. But if that is so, then she still should not have made promises on Twitter that she didn't have the authority to keep. Thanks, man. Welcome to the show. Hi. Glad to be here. So can you sum up for me the the Witcher controversy? Um, I'm not a big gamer myself. I don't know a terrible lot about it. I didn't play this game. Um, I don't read the books. Well, Witcher is originally a game. It was a series of books mm-hmm. written in the 90s by a Polish author named, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this horribly, but I'm going to try anyway. Okay. 
Andrzej Sapkowski. I've never actually heard it said out loud, but Andrzej Sapkowski, that's as close as I can get. Okay. Anyway, it was a fantasy series, a sort of Game of Thrones type low fantasy set in a in a setting that is basically an analog to 13th century medieval Poland inhabited by the monsters and legends of Slavic myth. And it's, it's about a guy named Geralt of Rivia, who is a professional monster hunter. He's a sort of Abraham Van Helsing type. Okay. And this book series was something that really could not have been printed under the Soviet occupation of Poland. It was a celebration of Polish culture, history, and traditions. And once they got their independence, when the Iron Curtain, they were they were able to have their own unique culture back that the communists had tried to erase. And I'm not Polish. I can't I can't speak for their culture. I can only enjoy it. But from what I gather, it's very important to the Polish people as a kind of landmark series because it went mainstream in the West in a way that not a lot of Polish cultural products have. And it went mainstream primarily because a game developer, CD Projekt Red, took they got the rights to it and they made it into a video game series and that that series is is mostly faithful to the original books it's not an adaptation of the books it's sort of what happened to the characters after the book series ended and it, it it takes them and it's mostly a a loving adaptation there are a few tiny plot changes there's you know people make a big deal about the fact that one character's eye color got changed mm-hmm. but that that's how devoted people are to these original stories her eye color and of course there are changes for the sake of you know gameplay you know making it actually fun and playable there have to be more enemies to fight there have to be you know, a combat system that's engaging. So some concessions from realism have to be made, but it, it's, it's mostly a faithful adaptation. It's a, and it, it's a very successful game. And because of the success of the game, Netflix got the rights to the series and they wanted to make an adaptation of the novels. And the... The showrunner, Lauren Histrich, who's in charge of the Netflix adaptation, made a whole bunch of promises on Twitter. A lot of them specifically about people who had concerns, understandable concerns, that Netflix was going to 
butcher the series for the sake of political correctness because well this is essentially medieval poland it's you know most of this setting is medieval poland and the holy roman empire little bits of areas beyond that there's one area that's pretty much an analog of southern france but for the most part the setting is Poland and the Holy Roman Empire. And that, if you're looking at accurate 13th century demographics, is going to be almost entirely white people. But when they make major media these days, they want it to be diverse. So there were a lot of people, either because they were Polish themselves and they they wanted their their culture to be preserved and represented accurately, or just because they they liked the series, they didn't want to see Monkey with, who were like, are you going to be faithful to this, or are you going to screw with it to be PC? And Lauren Hissrich made very explicit promises. I, I can go get her, her tweets if you want. Did you read Did these you books read yourself? Um, some of them. I came into it with the game. I've read some of the books but not before not before i was in the i was familiar with it already so you you played the game and then you read some of the books yeah sort of like game of thrones i i was i never read song of ice and fire until game of thrones started then i went back and read the books and yeah. by now yeah. i've read them all and i'm like everybody else on crack withdrawal waiting for the next one did you feel a uh, particular sort of um, attachment to the race of these characters when you either played the game or read the book? I wouldn't call it an attachment to race. Mm -hmm. I would call it an appreciation of art. Okay. Is there no relation between those uh, in this context? How do I describe this? You hear a lot from modern progressives about objectification of fictional characters, usually in a, in a sexual feminist context. But I consider race bending to also be a form of objectification because it treats the characters as essentially interchangeable. It treats them as not being entitled to a consistent identity. And if you, if you want your audience to treat a character as a person, then they have to be one consistent being who doesn't just spontaneously change from depiction to depiction. You know, most of us are not Doctor Who. We don't periodically change our physical appearance or our personality. So if, if you want people to think of a character as though they're a real person, then you have to give them that consistency of identity to what degree it's possible. You know, actors get older, they quit, things happen, but you can do your best. You cannot deliberately monkey with who these characters are supposed to be. And 
And I realize there are legitimate concerns about representation, but if Hollywood wants to be more progressive, maybe they should go back to having new ideas, not just making endless adaptations of franchises from the 1980s or the 19, hell, the 1930s, if you're looking at the DC Comics superheroes. But isn't this an adaptation of books from the 90s? It is. But it's also somewhat of a unique case because, as I said, Polish culture. If you want to talk about minority representation, just because they're white doesn't mean the Polish aren't a marginalized mi minority. I mean, look at the last century of their history. So how do you define uh, race bending? I I'm not like super familiar with this word. I've only like encountered it while researching uh, the whole controversy over the casting. Um, it seems to be fairly new. Race bending is, is a term for when you, when you're making an adaptation of a pre-existing piece of media and you change the race of one or more of the characters, usually for political reasons, not always, but usually. And generally this is, this is used as a term for taking a character who is white and making them non-white. When people talk about the other direction, when they talk about a character who is not white being, being made white, they call it whitewashing instead. And the reason that there are two terms is because a lot of progressives treat it as morally different to go in one direction from the other, that it's, that it's okay to take a character who is white and make them not white, but it is racist to take a character who is not white and make them white. Does the historical context of the power dynamics between races, particularly white and black, uh, play a role in this argument or is it really a one-to-one -one scenario when you change one race to the next? Oh, it, it absolutely plays a role. There's, you know, that, that is the reason that a lot of progressives think that there is a moral difference. And there is, you know, I, I understand that there is, you know, if you're there, there's, there's no reason to take a non-white character and change them to make them white, usually. I mean, occasionally there's some complex reason usually to do with they want a specific actor in the role who they think is more sellable. But, you know, that's cynical Hollywood for you, and I don't think anybody's going to defend that as moral. At least, at least when they're taking characters who are white, and making them not white. You can say that even if you disagree with the decision, their heart's at least in the right place. But that's that's not what this is about for me. Okay. You know, this kind of thing, it happens all the time. I find it, as part of the audience, I find it a little annoying because I find it immersion breaking, but you put up with it. It's not something to lose your mind about. What this is about for me is the fact that the writer made explicit promises. I can, 
read you one of the tweets if you like. I've got it here. Lauren Hisrich on Twitter, May 11th, 2018. Will I move through the book and start changing people's cultural heritage or ethnic makeup or gender because I'm feeling really liberal that day? No, that's ridiculous and contrary to what any writer would do because we are storytellers. Story comes first. There are a few other tweets that if you, if you want me to, to be quiet for two minutes and look for them, I'll look for them, but no, no, other <laughs> word for it. It's like there are other tweets where she, where she very explicitly says, I will not change anyone's race or cultural background. Right. So, so you, you can't say that, you know, she didn't do it because she's feeling liberal. She must have had another reason. So technically she didn't break for you. You can't do that. There, there's other tweets where she said she didn't do it. She was very clear. And she completely ignored that promise. You know, the, the casting came out and it was, you know, it looked like the demographics of a modern American city, not the demographics of medieval Poland. And to me, this is less about the act itself than the broken promise. If a media creator gives a promise to their audience, they should keep it. Just like anyone who is selling a product, if they make a promise to their customers, should keep that promise. If somebody promises you that a car you're buying will have certain features and it doesn't, and you find that out after you bought it, you turn around and sue them. Sure. I don't see why the moral paradigm in media should logically be different. Obviously, I understand that she has not actually breached a contract here. Money has mm -hmm. not yet changed hands. There's no grounds for a literal lawsuit. But in moral terms, a promise is a promise, is it not? Okay, but is the response here uh, proportional? I just want to read back like um, a piece of uh, your comment here. We said... Uh, that kind of dishonesty and manipulative behavior cannot be allowed to stand. We as fans must demand to be treated with, treated with basic dignity. I mean, is is your sense of basic dis dignity, you know, really honestly violated by the fact that some producer, you know, chose to pick one actor over another in um you know a franchise that you really don't have the right to beyond just being a fan of is that an overreaction i, I guess is what i'm asking i don't feel that it is because it's not about again it's not about who she picked it's about that she lied if she if she wanted to say you know i'm going to do this my way, you know, she'd been upfront from the start. If she'd had the courage of her convictions and said, I believe in this, I'm doing it this way, and you don't own this franchise, either watch my show or don't, I would have respected that. You know, maybe I wouldn't have been particularly happy about not getting my way, okay. but I'd respect that. You know, I don't have the right to do anything about it. 
But when you lie to your customers and you figure, well, I can just tell them whatever is convenient and do the opposite later, that's, that's enormously disrespectful because there's, there's an inherent assumption in that, that the people you're, you're selling this to, the fans of the franchise, are so desperate to see the thing that they love brought to life that they will accept it in any form, good or bad. And this is the same mentality that you see in corporations that do endless reboots of superhero movies or that take beloved video game series and fill them with microtransactions and gambling mechanisms and cut off the ending and sell it as an extra. They are essentially figuring that you are addicted to their product and you'll put up with any business practices, no matter how shady, to get what you want. And I don't consider that a respectful mentality. I don't consider that treating people with dignity. I consider that the mentality of treating someone as a mark. So let me ask you, uh, what is your relationship to this topic of race bending and uh, identity politics in entertainment? Um, because you do seem to be passionate about it, if that's fair to say. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been involved in... How much do you understand about the overall culture war and the concept of social justice warriors, Gamergate, all that stuff? I pay attention to the arguments. I've been in Gamergate since 2014. And Gamergate, it's it's sort of drifted away and gotten involved in a lot of general Trump stuff and right-wing arguments. And I don't like that. I am not right-wing. And I don't really consider myself in ideological lockstep with the movement anymore. But from about 2015 to 2017, I was very involved with that. I'd been sort of watching the culture war and commenting on it in the years before Gamergate really blew up. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that people say about Gamergate, that it was a harassment campaign, that, it, that people in Gamergate threatened to kill a bunch of women. And for the most part, it's exaggeration. There were some people who took it too far, but to what extent internet movements can control their members, there was an effort to try to keep it simple. And I think that largely went unrecognized in the press because, well, Gamergate was criticizing the press and they didn't like being criticized. But basically, for a long time, I've noticed that there's a, there's a political movement, very sort of, people call them the illiberal left, because 
they seem to be very authoritarian despite acting in the name of ostensibly liberal causes who they don't like any kind of sex appeal aimed at men in media they don't like anything that they consider too focused on men or too focused on white people or otherwise not inclusive enough and they just they behave in a lot of ways similarly to the old religious right media crusaders who would show up and and get offended and demand that everybody change change art and it's it's a kind of soft censorship and i am a fan of a lot of the the geeky entertainment pro- properties that they tend to target and i don't like watching all the entertainment that i love get bowdlerized for political reasons i don't care if it's by the right or by the left so yeah i've been involved in that for a long time and i have pretty strong views on opposing censorship of art and opposing the uh the watering down of cultural products for political reasons so if i was to ask you uh if i was to pose a hypothetical and say that uh, this comment had some sort of maximum effect right what kind of effect would that be like uh, or in other words like what were you hoping to get out of this comment if i were if i were god or something you mean if your comment had some just... sort of uh, agenda or goal or something like that in other words like why why do we make the comments that we make um and you know in particular this one ideally yeah i'd like to see this this adaptation of the witcher not get an audience and not make money and netflix have to realize that the reason that it didn't was because they alienated the fans and i would like to see lauren hisrich face some career consequences for her dishonesty i would like her to get a bad reputation as someone who can't be trusted and either apologize and make some effort to make that right and win back people's trust or not be given the trust in the future of being given creative control over major franchises like this so do you plan on watching the series no not I at absolutely all. not at all you won't even check it out I will not. Okay. I I am hard boycotting. I am encouraging friends and and other people who will listen to me to boycott. <laughs> A couple of my friends have actually been like, "Dude, shut up about it." But <laughs> you know, I can get a little overwrought sometimes when I'm passionate.
Thank you so much for tuning in this week, everybody. I'm Tim K. This has been the comments section. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on all sorts of stuff. All of our stuff is hosted on SoundCloud. Thank you to Oron Darklord for sharing his thoughts and doing this interview with us. Uh, maybe we can interview him in the future about the gamer gating thing. Next week, I think uh, we might go back to uh, Dundigging. I think we might get back in contact with Dundigging and see how he feels about the Q movement uh, in the wake of the midterm elections. Um, but then again, we might wait till January because I think a lot of Q followers are still following um, the idea that uh, at some point before the Democrats take over the House that uh, the whole Q prophecies will drop into place. So I don't know. We, we, we might wait a little bit or we might get back to him next week. Uh, it depends on um, what happens this week, what kind of crazy stuff happens and uh, you know who I find online. So um, thanks again for listening, everyone. I'm Tim K. This has been the comment section. Yeah.